0: Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast episode 129, the podcast where we talk about photography, videography and anything and everything that's got anything to do with any of that. And before we get into today's episode, uh, let me just tell you that if you are listening to the audio version um, of this podcast, there is a fully fledged Technicolor version over on YouTube that you could check out. But without further ado, we have another awesome guest on the show this week, uh, none other than the London-based Modern Headshot Master. Um, and educator Ivan Wees. Ivan, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you, Kirsten. Good to good to see you again. It's been a while. Yes, it's been a while. It's been it's been about a year and a half, I think. Okay, roughly. Yeah.
1: I mean, it, it seems to me like it may have been longer than that. That that was a uh,
0: different world, different times. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, completely. Like, in a lot of senses, actually. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But I remember we had a lot of fun because we did. Uh, you were in a couple of episodes um, back during the during the pandemic. Um, and I remember one of the fun things that we decided to do was a selfie photo challenge um, at the time was, which, you know, in, in the middle of the pandemic, when we all had a lot of time, sounded like a great idea.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a good idea to do it anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, the, the, the necessity being the mother of invention and, and, and all of that, you know, like. A portrait photographer locked in a studio for five months. At some point, is going to do a self-portrait. I would imagine. Um, Seems (laughs) like it seems like a good response to to the conditions that we were we were having to deal with. So yeah yeah.
0: Yeah, it was was an interesting interesting thing to do. I think you know generally um, it makes sense to utilize those times. I mean, it wasn't. It was certainly the first time in my lifetime that I you know sat around, couldn't leave the house, and had to come up with something something creative to do um and so you know putting yourself up for a challenge is, is a really good way to develop one's own creativity further because sure. what else you know yeah i mean it, it it's
1: I, I think it's not just about having the, the the time i think the um you know there is that that idea that creativity Real creativity can only come from adversity. I'm not sure I sign up to that fully, um, that idea. But there's something in it. Um, So I think, yeah, the the sort of the extreme conditions that we were uh, living under, the the, just the sheer weirdness of it, um, kind of leads you to think about things in ways that you wouldn't otherwise, and that that itself is the uh, that's the uh, the root of of creativity, isn't sure. it? Just sort of thinking of things differently, and you're forced to do that on a daily basis when all of a sudden everything that you normally do is not allowed, and and you have to rethink it. all.
0: you know what I loved during the pandemic actually um, was that when you you know when you looked up photography news like on on a variety of different photography news websites, um, yeah. they would run a lot of uh, a lot of stories of people's creative, weird you know ideas. Like somebody, you know, creating portraits with a drone or something, you know, or uh, you know, or or like, um, what do they call them? Like front door portraits or something like that. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. And so I love reading about that. I remember, um, you know, one of our former guests uh, went out ninja style and light painted classic cars, you know, Uh (laughs) at night. So he just like went out for half an hour, you know, dressed in black, ran over, got his light stick, you know, light painted. And paid painted a car and went back. And that, that went went crazy um on on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love reading these, you know, creative stories. And of course now now that everything's back, it's mostly about oh, there's a new camera body out or a new lens. And... Yes.
1: Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Now, now people are back to the you know business as usual. But I I think yeah. um well, creativity is always gonna be there. Creativity is not dead, it's a natural human impulse. So um I think we just saw a bit more of it. For various reasons, yeah, uh, you know, uh, news outlets were probably keener to, to look for kind of uplifting stories to report as well. In oh, absolutely! Them. So, uh, absolutely, things things maybe got picked up more by media than they would normally. Um, but yeah, certainly, people having more free time—not free time, but you know, more time that um, they would normally have spent on on other things. Um, and yeah, it's just that thing of being forced to do things differently. Okay. Yeah, that's the result for sure.
0: And I think, you know, one of the things I've learned through this is that now that we're back to pretty much business as usual, um, you know, for me, it's it's been part of my task. It's been to stay creative in that right. everyday business as usual type of vibe because it's really easy to just fall into that trap of just, you know... Going back to the things, doing things in the way that you used to do them, and you know, uh, and let the market forces sort of dictate what it is that you produce. Um, and yet, when I look at your work, for example, you know, you've you've created such a such a personality, almost just you know, through your style and through the way that you see, you know, your um, your subjects basically. Um, that it's it's just a really it's a really great example of you know, sort of counteracting that with. With a creative product, Mm -hmm. if you want to call it that, in inverted commas.
1: No, you can you can call it a product. That's fine. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think I think that if you're if you're doing a job like this, and you're not being creative, then like I don't understand why you're doing it. I mean, to me, that is the that is the draw. I'm 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 quite sure if I was any good at writing, I'd be writing if i was any good at painting i'd be painting like it it so happens that the kind of the skills that i learned for for various reasons the skills that i learned from a young age made photography an obvious outlet for my creativity but the thing is it has to satisfy my creativity otherwise there's, there's no point in doing it i think um and i'm i'm pretty sure that's the same for everybody like I, I don't think it would be a wise choice to be a photographer or a videographer if it weren't for the creative impulse. Um, you'd probably be better off, you know, doing something that's a bit more stable, has regular hours, has a pension plan, yeah. that kind of stuff. You know, so
0: absolutely. And yet, you know, when um, when I look around the the sort of world of headshots, for example, you know, a very I do sort of get an impression that there's a lot of sort of, uh, you know, there's a mass of very samey looking headshots, and yeah. then there are certain people, certain photographers that really stand above, you know, way above the rest because because they've really developed a particular style, a particular look, you know, and right. imprinted their personality on, on those images. And I mean, you know, your, your work is absolutely 100%, you know, part of that, especially, I mean, you can take a relatively small market like, like London headshots, for example, and it's there's a very, I mean, there's a very, um, very definitive difference between you know headshots, London headshots compared to like let's say New York headshots or okay. so on so forth.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I think that it's essentially there's a difference of of approach, really. If you if you define a product and turn it into a commodity and then just churn it out, churn it out, churn it out. Um, that that's not creativity right that's there's nothing wrong with that that's the same as designing uh you know you design a new 50 millimeter lens and then you build a factory to just churn them out churn them out churn them out it's a good business model um but the creativity was done when it was designed everything else is just replicating replicating Um, and if you built your business in a way that you rely on essentially fitting in as many people, as many things as possible, as many jobs as possible, you're always going to be incentivized towards that kind of factory model of churning out the same thing over and over and over again, um, and not being creative because creativity is going to cost you money. Um, so I think... Yeah, that, that's something that I think people maybe undervalue is the the designing of the business model in a way that creativity is an incentive or is incentivized okay. um, rather than replication being the, the 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 main driver of you know yeah. whether you're going to be profitable or. not.
0: I, th- I think you know sometimes um, the. Sometimes you know the thing could be like, for instance, if you're if you're doing photography or hetero photography as a side as a side hustle or a side job, a second job, and you, you get to the point where um, you want to go full time with that, um, I think sometimes you could be looking at that kind of mass marketing, kind of think, well, that's what I need to do. I just need to produce a lot of that kind of stuff in order to um, you know make a living. But I mean, clearly just again just by looking at your work that's clearly not the case so it's it's one approach I, I, sure. I like to think of
1: so if we can draw a parallel let's say the soft drinks market right okay you have got coca cola if you wanted to launch a soft drinks on the market sure. and you look at the market and say well this is what this is what people seem to like I just need to make enough of those things you end up doing Sainsbury's own brand cola Now, if you want to be Sainsbury's own brand, Cola, that's fine. But there's zero creativity in it. You're just literally just doing what the market already has and undercutting the price slightly. Um, Works as a business model, does not in any way contain any creative satisfaction. So... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So try and discover the the secret recipe for Coca-Cola and then just do it over and over again at three pence less per can than Coca-Cola charges and then you've got a business,
0: fine. What was your first step when you first uh, went full-time into Hedgehog Photography? Um, What did that feel like and what what were your first steps to make that happen? Um, It it felt very, I, I think, truly
1: like the, the the only real word is exciting but that word gets used a lot as a sort of euphemism for scary um or like no it was actually like adrenaline 24 hours a day i had no okay. idea what was going to happen the following day whether i was doing things properly or any of that um and it was literally just uh making it up as i was going along which which i still am but i think i've now got you know, years of experience behind me that kind of informs decisions or makes me say yeah. that's fine because it always has been fine and so it's okay um yeah I, I probably probably similar to the experience of having a first child i would imagine sort of overcome with like oh my god that thing might be dangerous that things of a problem that but at the same time just everything being kind of new and uh yeah exciting um and what I did, I mean, it's no no big, you know, secret that I'm going to reveal here. What I did was, I took pictures of as many people as possible, and I showed them to as many people as possible. And then people sure. started going, "Oh, well, you're the guy that takes pictures of people." Yeah, I need a picture of a person. Okay, here's my website. You can hire sure. me. And it started quite slowly. Um, you know, there were long gaps between between paid gigs. Um, sure but those gaps got shorter and shorter and yeah it by the time i was getting around to running out of savings my income started to
0: to become more reliable and <laughs> it was fine so how did you how did you go about and um, showing your work to people because i think that's that's one of the um one of the one of the hurdles that that any new photographer has to has to jump over you know because i think the the immediate thought is always oh yeah you know instagram or social media or something should do the trick yeah well i mean instagram is the social media in general is
1: great um and i think in any business in you know the 21st century there really is no excuse for not being able to reach your audience because you literally you can connect with somebody anywhere in the world or any time of day even while you're asleep yeah. um but how do you cut through on social media is the uh, is the question um and you know algorithms are algorithms they want to present things that already look like they're going to be successful so you need to build momentum and you know, you've already got a network of people. You already know, I don't know, 20 people, 30 people, 100 people, 300 people. Um, So one of the first things to do is literally just go and tell everybody that you already know, hey, I'm a photographer now, like I quit my job. I'm now a photographer. This is my website. This is my Instagram page. This is my LinkedIn, wherever you're going to do it. Um, Go have a look. And yeah, some of them will, some of them won't. But that's your first—that's your first bit of network—is the people who are already in your network, your family, your friends, the people who still work in the job that you just quit, yeah. who are jealous that you quit and are now a photographer, and you know they're still in the office or whatever. Um, you, you have to build that momentum, um, and you have to start with the things that are at your disposal, and that's what yeah. you have got. From there, it will start to snowball. You will start to get people commenting on your pictures who are not your aunt or your cousin or you know? <laughs> yeah. It, well, feels it feels weird at first. It feels weird at first. It's like, yeah. who, who's this? How did they find me? And then you realize yeah. like well, that this is actually the point of it, right? I'm I'm now yeah. reaching an audience of people who I don't know in real life yeah. and I only contact them through social media and then of course once they once they comment on your 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 pictures that opens you up to their network on their social media and so on and so forth so it's you know it doesn't happen overnight it's definitely not worth paying for one of those you know we'll guarantee you a thousand genuine likes and follower type things if any of you guys are watching please don't contact me please don't come i'm not <laughs> interested um but yeah you know real people start with the real people you know in real life and that will translate into people who you know through
0: social media i think you mentioned an interesting thing it's it's this this sort of feeling when you know when somebody who you're completely unrelated to you know uh, starts commenting on your work in fact that's also so true uh, when it comes to this podcast, actually, because uh, you know we we often have um, you know listeners or viewers write in or you know send messages. So this is a really great opportunity to just do a little listener shout out, which which we love to do. Um, no so much. this week's shout out goes to listener Max Barron, who's a drone photographer uh, over in Vermont in the U.S. He sent me uh, a really cool. I know. I can't see it. I heard a drone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, who sent who sent in a message last uh, last week, um, just uh, just saying how much uh, last week's discussion about how to back up your uh, your photos and your data um, uh, gave him a bit of a you know great idea. So so fantastic if uh, you know if you are listening, um you know, and you want you want us to shout you out, you know send in, send us an Instagram message or you know an email. Uh, I'll put all the links down there. In fact, you know, we've actually, I've realized that we've had some new listeners. Get this: in Norway, France, Denmark, Sweden, Spain, Germany, the UK, the US, Canada, Australia, Japan, New Zealand, Israel, South Africa, Austria, and Ireland. Wow! If that includes you listening, <laughs> send us send us a message. Um, that is absolutely totally awesome. Excellent. Anyway. So uh, again, you know, Mark Barron, thank you for, thank you very much for listening, and uh, hope hope you enjoy. Our future episodes just the same. Anyway, coming back to uh, coming back to social media, there's been a lot of I mean there's, there's been tons of changes in this uh, social media landscape. And I remember you know only a few years ago it was all about you know Instagram and I was saying you know, it's a great platform for uh, for photographers because it was predominantly image based. Things mm-hmm. have changed more recently. It's it's moved into more of the video sphere. Do you think it's still as as useful for photographers, or do we all have to change tack? Um, I mean so i i think any discussion
1: about social media and its utility for photographers you have to start just with the the little reality check it doesn't exist to support your business it exists to monetize you yeah. right you you are a product when you go on instagram you're a product mark zuckerberg is making money from your presence on instagram and he and and the the company meta are going to do what they think is right for them to make more money that's their business so there's not really any point in getting up or indignant about whether this is a good thing for photographers or not by all means discuss it like i'm not against i'm not saying suck it up i'm just saying be aware that you know it's not there for your benefit it's there for their benefit and we we can perhaps find some ways to to make it work for us as well um you know if 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 the platform of instagram wants to move away from having still images and only having video there'll be other platforms that crop up like people's people's desire to view still images has been around you know, since since we had sticks and walls on caves, you know, yeah. um, I don't think it's going anywhere, anywhere, anytime soon. So, if if that demand is not being satisfied by one platform, another platform will pop up to replace it. Um, I, you know, I I don't intend to move over to doing video. It's just not something that interests me right now. I might look back and laugh at this in ten years' time, but there <laughs> we go. Um, well, who knows <laughs> yeah. but yeah Instagram still seems to me to be the place where you can reach the the largest audience there's no harm in when you put a picture on Instagram also putting it on LinkedIn or or Twitter or, or Vero or yeah. I, I'm not even up to date with what all the other platforms are but you know like you can play <laughs> all of the ones at the same time yeah. and see which one works for you the fact of the matter is, none of us probably, none of the people watching this, I would imagine, neither you nor I, need to be reaching, you know, tens of millions of people in order to have a viable business. Yeah. So I need to be able to reach, for want of a better term, my community, my audience. Yeah. And if I find that the most part of that audience is on Instagram or LinkedIn or yeah. YouTube, then that's where i should be simple as um you know it again it's it's not a mass market product what we do it's yes. it's quite niche we have small audiences in the grand scheme of things um and that small audience right now for me is reachable via instagram if that changes i'll, I'll go somewhere else fine mm. no problem
0: Absu- absolutely i mean it's it, clearly you should you should go where your audience actually is, and that that may be you know if you're a corporate photographer, it may be LinkedIn that may be yeah. the better you know platform for that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I post stuff on LinkedIn quite regularly. I get good engagement on LinkedIn. Mm. Um, I think the the thing, the reason I consider LinkedIn secondary for me is because if somebody who doesn't know me discovers my page on LinkedIn, I don't look as successful there as I do on Instagram because I've got a bigger following on Instagram right so if somebody connects with me on LinkedIn I tend to try and get them you know gently I just mention "Yo, oh, I also have an Instagram page where I've got a lot more stuff if, hey. if you like my work you can have a look at it there Um, and that that's a way to kind of reinforce to people like hey. oh right yeah this this guy knows what he's doing okay like he's got this whole whole gallery over here on on instagram and a lot of followers um so i look you know it it presents me in a better light than linkedin it may be the the exact opposite for uh, for somebody else um and they post some stuff on instagram don't get much engagement but every once in a while they get a new follower and they say i'm really active over on linkedin come and check me out over there And then all of a sudden they see oh this yeah this photographer is really popular here this is this is what I'm looking for you know so <laughs> you can play both.
0: So whilst social media uh, might be this sort of natural go to for a lot of you know creatives photographers um, in particular, I tell you the one thing um, that I've learned to to really appreciate is actually in person networking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, for me that's something I really only started during the pandemic actually because. Um, because before that, I didn't really need to because my clients were corporates, essentially. Um, and it was, only, it was only because of the pandemic that you know, I found myself without any event work, basically. And, and so I thought it might be a good idea to engage with the local business community. And of course, at the time, it, there were like a million Zoom networking meetings springing up left, right, and center. You know, some, some of the more uh, kind of well-known you know, networking groups, and there were lots of new ones, you know, uh, that sprang up as well. And so, yeah, of course, some of them have gone back to, like, you know, in-person meetings. Uh, some have stayed on Zoom, and some do a bit of a kind of a half and half type of a thing. Did you, when you first, uh, when you first started started your business full time, did you find that a useful? Thing I didn't
1: do? do any in-person networking to begin with. Um, I think I. I don't want to say there's no value in it. Of course, there's value in it. I think that it's difficult with in person to build that initial momentum. Um, this probably is different if your business model is based more on. So, so for, for me, essentially, I need to work five days a week, four weeks a month. And, and so on right so it's it's each each sale is worth relatively a small amount in the in this grand scheme of my my income yeah. if you have a business model, I would imagine this is more like wedding photographers or videographers maybe where you want to do one big job a month it's a different thing. Um, because the difference between one connection and not having that connection can be your income for the month rather than your income for a day. So the the stakes are are different in that sense. Um, I I think it's in-person networking is really valuable for me now, but once I've made a connection with somebody in person, I tend to have them, you know, they, they tend to, Follow me on one of my social channels. So yeah. until we meet again two months later, they get drip fed a bit of my work every three days or whatever it is that I post. Yeah. Um, so I'm staying, you know, front of mind, as, as they say. Um, yeah. If you haven't got an already established social media strategy and you're going to a networking event. It's it's a long, long, long game, right? Let's say you yeah. get time to talk to 15 people in one evening and then you go back the following month and three of those people are there and then a bunch of other people. The follow-up with those initial 15 people might be six months yeah. later and they're like, oh, I remember we met, but what is it you do again? Hey. Yeah. Um, Absolutely, it, it It does take a, a lot longer with, with in-person um, networking. That said you obviously tend to form much much closer bonds with those people because yeah. you actually get to talk to them and interact rather than saying, Oh, I like your picture. Thank you very much. You know, sure. that that's quite limited um the 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 interaction that you have on social media, but it's much more frequent. So yeah, swings and roundabouts on that one really. But I would say for somebody that's starting out, I would put all of the emphasis on social media to begin with. And recognize that the the in person networking is something that will be more valuable later on. That's not to say don't do it, but just don't walk into a room <laughs> expecting that you're gonna, you know, sell straight away because that's generally not how it happens.
0: Yeah. Did you so when again you know just take you back to uh, to the point where you decided to you know mm-hmm. essentially put all your eggs in in one basket and go full time and you know, take the take the risks. Um, did you have any other than social media? Did you have any sort of marketing strategies that you employed at the time? No, um, n- <laughs> no, <laughs> excellent. I mean, you know, web, web,
1: website obviously, you have to have a website and you need yeah. to be discoverable on, you know, search, Google or DuckDuckGo or whatever it is that you, you want to use. Um, I've never really paid much attention to the whole trying to rank high on google thing again i think that's a game that doesn't apply so much to very small micro businesses that have got a niche audience if you if you want to go in and you know dominate the market for generic corporate photography in london which is already very saturated then yeah yeah, seo is probably the, the place that you need to put a lot of emphasis yeah. if you're doing something that's got a bit of, you know, uniqueness to it, a bit of personality to it, a bit of creativity to okay. it, trying to trying to play the SEO game, I think, would just be frustrating. Um again, not to say that you should ignore it. It's important that your website is visible, but it's not the be all and end all. And certainly, you know, all of the sort of the shortcuts to how to rank better on Google, I think um, are probably a waste of time for most people. You know, it, 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 I, t- I take yeah. Google and other words. G- generally, they they want to provide their customers with the best answer to the question or the best solution to the problem. Yeah. Um, and they will they will try to work out whether you are a good solution to the problem or not. Yeah. They're not just going to say, "Oh, this guy seems to have followed the list of tips and tricks," so we'll suggest him. but this, does this actually look like a, a yeah. you know a good photographer that's doing work that's appreciated, that fits with what the person who's put in the query seems to be looking for? And yeah. all of those things need to go together. So, yeah, concentrate on being a good photographer and doing things properly, and Google will reward you. That's
0: absolutely true, because uh, I have to say that I've only seen results from my website not from social media or something but specifically from our website once um yeah once i sort of amassed a certain amount of like reviews for example and it seemed so, like at that point google thought like oh okay you know it seems like people like it so therefore we'll recommend it if yeah. the search comes up you know that's absolutely yeah i've absolutely noticed that yeah i mean it's not it's not just um you know, the the
1: algorithms that Google use are you know incredibly sophisticated, I'm sure. Yeah. Um and they tweak them all the time, not to try and catch us out as small businesses, but in order to better serve the people that are asking the questions, i.e. Yeah. their customers. Um, because that's their business model. That's how they make their money, you know. The, the, that indirectly, obviously, is the advertising, but you see what yeah. I mean. Um so Yeah, if if you are undoubtedly, you know, if you make the best pancakes in South London, and everybody knows this, and I type pancakes Peckham, hey, Google's going to give me your. It's just going to right. It's going to say, well, like everybody knows this. If there's somebody else who's just set up a business and has done all the tips and tricks for SEO, they're not going to stand the chance because they're not actually genuine. The best, the best uh, answer to the problem, you know.
0: It's always it's always funny sometimes you know when you, when you come across uh, like web searches and it comes up with with totally the wrong result. <laughs> you no, know, it's actually you know I got burnt, I got burnt on um, I tried out Google ads at one point um, sometime you know quite quite some time ago and uh, I clearly didn't really know what I was doing. but um, um, I thought I was very specific in my ads and yet what I got back what what actually happened, you know I got some phone calls, not very many, but I got some phone calls. Um, asking for things that I really didn't do, like newborn photography uh, you know, yeah, I don't think I've ever mentioned that, but I you know, so I didn't really see so it didn't really work for me. um uh, and you know, at the time, I just decided that that for, for my business really wasn't the right uh, avenue mm-hmm. to to go down, you know I tried well, it. I lost a little yeah. bit of money, but I learned a lot. I'm richer in experience, excellent. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) I I mean, I think there's
1: a different thing happening there is that once you start paying Google to run adverts, Mm. the relationship changes completely. And they're going to try and show your advert to as many people as possible so that they can say, look how many people have clicked on your advert. Are we great? Pay us some more money. Unfortunately, as I say, we are mostly quite niche, quite focused micro Mm. businesses so we don't want to be shown to people that are looking yeah. for a type of photography or a type of videography that's just not our genre mm. um and that's generally not assumed or appreciated by google um mm. when, when you place an advert they they assume you just want to be seen by a million people yeah uh, no you don't you want to be seen by one person but one person that yeah. It's gonna put their credit card information in and book a book a shoot, right? That's all you need.
0: Yeah. And it's really about you know really finding the the right client and being seen by the right client because you know um, there are there are people who just want a quick passport photo style headshot and that's all they need and that's all they want and they they may not necessarily be your client. That might yeah. not be the kind of client that wants to you know commit to a financial investment to actually For sure. you know purchase what you have to offer in that sense um yeah. and that's that's just that's the risk i think with broad advertising on mm. you know on google for example yeah
1: i mean it, it, there is there is something to be said for the broad advertising if you're playing the long game so for example i know that ferrari is a very well respected Prestige brand of car. I could probably name a few models if you show me them. I know that they basically come in red. I can spot one when it goes down the street. Or I, say, I don't even have a driving license, but they, there's value for <laughs> Ferrari in me knowing that, you know, if I were to spend 50,000 pounds on a car, I've got an idea of what my options would be, right? Yeah. There's value in that um prestige for their brand that they. We'll call it advertising in the loosest sense, or marketing that they market to people who will never, ever, ever buy a Ferrari. Absolutely, you've got a driving license. It it adds to their prestige, and so I think there is something in that for small businesses as well. Just just to be considered, um, you know, the best photographer for a certain genre in your market, even by people who are never going to buy from you there is a value there it's a question of whether that value is um you know uh, measures up to to, uh, to what you're paying in order to reach that audience i guess that's the yeah. the character you have to do
0: so you as a photographer as a, as a portrait um photographer you have a very recognizable style um a very recognizable look um did you develop that look first and then basically you know decided to build a business around it or was it um, so, is it more of a consequence of just developing over time? I, yeah, it's just a consequence. I think I think you you can't
1: you shouldn't decide on a look or a style. If you do do that, you you you're immediately going into that idea of making a commodity, right? Yes. Correct. Um, so, if you decide ahead of time, I'm going to make all of my pictures look this way um and then you sell that that business model will then necessarily take you down the road of trying to optimize okay how can i do the same thing but cheaper how can i do the same thing but faster how yeah. can i do the same thing but in four different locations at the same time there's nothing wrong with that business model it's very successful for a lot of people in a lot of different fields but it's not creativity of it's course the creativity. um creativity is doing doing what you feel like you know yes. uh, I, I i don't mean that in a blasé <laughs> sense like i just do sure. whatever the fuck i want oh, oh yeah. well i don't here, yeah, sorry <laughs> sure on this no. podcast, for sure um it it, it means Creating the the pictures that that satisfy your your needs, um, sure. and if you do that, if you if you dedicate yourself to that, that will change and develop over time, because yeah. you will have a need to go like, oh, I wonder what happens if I do this with it, or what happens if I apply that to this situation, or you know, you, you are, are going to keep tweaking it. Um, you know, it's it's the difference between, uh, you know. Uh, the, somebody in in mcdonald's knows that you you know you take this bit of food you put it for this amount of time in their microwave and then you and it's it's set down it's instructions it could be done by anyone with a minimum training so it can be replicated and therefore that's the business model like how many of these things can we shift in an hour in how many different restaurants um, whereas a chef will be saying, well, you know, I made that dish yesterday. Today I wanted to do something different and it might not be that they come up with something that's revolutionary or completely new, but okay, today we've got, I don't know, sea bass instead of salmon. What can I do with it? Sure. All right. and you, And you come up with something that's a little bit tweaked, a little bit different uh it's individual it's unique and it it satisfies the uh, the 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 need for uh, creativity
0: it's interesting you mentioned uh, or you get the example of a chef i shot not too long ago i shot a uh, an awards um ceremony for uh, up and coming chefs and so oh. they had uh, a number of tasks that they fulfilled one was you know they were given like a mystery bag of ingredients that had to come up with you know a self designed thought up you know, okay. the recipe for that, um, and uh, there's a group of like chefs and a, and a group of pastry chefs, and it was so it was so interesting to see how creatively they would come up with completely different things just based on the same bag of of, of ingredients. Oh. Um, it's phenomenal. It's actually it's very difficult to shoot because you know I got hungry. <laughs> halfway through. <laughs> so, God. But I was thinking who who got the gig to do the catering
1: at the award show for chefs. That's a that's a high pressure gig there, isn't it? Well. Wow. I
0: know. I mean, they were uh, some of the judges. Uh, it is of sort of a very um, you know, high prestige uh kind of award type of a thing. Um and uh, you know some of the judges that are world leading chefs that they, they were flown in from all over the all, all over the place. And I just I felt sorry for all the the contenders as it were because you know, it must have been it must have been nerve destroying having to, you know, having to perform mm-hmm. under the gaze of, of some of the like biggest names in the industry. Right. That was you know, it was crazy. Um, you know, it, what was really astonishing was how young some of those guys were, guys and girls. It was really amazing to see like 17, 18 year olds wow. putting themselves under the under that pressure, and at the the end result actually meant, you know, getting this uh, this this award mended they you know have the best chances of of finding placements in some of the best restaurants in the world which is a great you know career achievement but the pressure these guys were under was insane you know and obviously i was just running around with the camera so i was fine okay, okay. <laughs> it's you know but yeah it's interesting interesting example um so do you like when you look back at your work um over the last like let's say you know three or four years um Let's say if you compare your work pre-pandemic and now, um, do you think it's changed at all?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think pre-pandemic to post-pandemic, my work has got warmer, more colourful. Okay. Um, you know, I, I stress this. This is not a conscious decision. This is this is just looking back and noticing the patterns. Like if I pull okay. up a picture from, I know. 2019. Uh, oh look, it's it, it's less saturated. The the tones are quite quite a bit cooler. Um, I, I I don't know why that is necessarily, but you know th- this is this is a reflection of how I how I feel what I, what I want to create. Um, so i mean another thing that i've noticed is is i'm, I'm a lot more interested nowadays in pictures where there there's no eye contact with the subject um i mean i'm not a psychoanalyst but i think that might be a reaction to the uh, the period of lockdown of not having human contact right. um and just kind of i know either being more comfortable with not having eye contact or being less comfortable with having eye contact i'm not sure which way around that is um the warmth and the saturation um i think might just be me just chilling out a little bit and getting a bit more relaxed about things in general (laughs) i don't know um so yeah, um but it, it 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 changes and it will change um, and I, I I will never intentionally decide to go in a in a certain direction, really? but I will expect that uh, you know at any point if I look back, there will be a, a an evolution for sure.
0: It's really, it's it's really interesting to look at your work all the time because um, I've noticed I've noticed the the change in expressions and the the, the change in line contact, um, mm-hmm. and you know, it's it's an interesting thing because I often th- often think like do you, when cl- when new clients come to you and they've obviously seen your work before, uh, do they come in with a very definitive idea as to what it is that they want? Like, do they go like, well, you know. You know, here's one of your images that you've done in the past. I want, I want exactly that, or Uh do you, uh, you know, do you take over the creative process and create something that's that's, you know, very much bespoke? Um, I mean, it's it's always a mix. So Mm. yes,
1: sometimes people come in and and they've got like a mood board type thing, um, which there's nothing wrong with it but again that, that's it's limiting creativity right it's like yeah. okay that's like a brief so you just want me to shoot what's on the brief or can we actually do some some work as well you know um, and you know I, I'm always going to push to do a bit, bit more in every session than the client needs or wants really? because that's that's that, you know that's my own satisfaction that's for progress that's sometimes for the client to go oh i didn't know i needed or wanted that but yeah now i do um so that you know there are lots of reasons why that that should be there um for the most part clients don't do that no they they come in they've they've got a sense of what my aesthetic is um and we just we create you know we start taking pictures and we review what we're getting as we go through we talk about what we like what we don't like okay. we make suggestions um i wouldn't say i take over the creative process because it, it it's always a a collaboration you know it, if i were going to run it completely then i would eliminate the human element you know i'd, I'd have complete control right but <laughs> yeah. i love I will I want that randomness of I don't yeah. know who this person is that's going to walk into the studio and yeah. what they bring with them in terms of their expectations and their aesthetic and what they will want to do yeah. so yeah that that's the that's the the interesting bit is playing off of the the other person um but in terms of making sure that some creativity is used during the session. Yes, I I, I take control in that sense, okay. as in even if somebody comes in saying literally, I just want this, yeah. I will I will make sure we shoot more than that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that that can be as simple as let, let's say it's on a corporate shoot. You know, like, oh, do you ever tie your hair back? No, let's tie your hair back. Oh wow, that looks good. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah. You know, in a very small way a very banal example that's creativity right there yeah. um, and it's yeah it's it's um, satisfying for me it's beneficial for the client it's you know it's like the, there's there's rarely anything lost from, yeah. from adding a bit of creativity to a shoot
0: I had a funny situation not too long ago uh, where I had a had a client come in with a very definitive brief, okay. and it's a really good session. Um, you know, it's, it's a very it was a very creative session, and and actually, um, you know, the client left super happy. But then when I looked back at the brief, I realized we hadn't really shot anything or at all. It just took on a life of its own, and actually, it, it, you know, it it came out better than than uh, than the original idea. I think so that you know that does sometimes happen. I've learned something from you. That I think the first time you were on the show because I remember we were discussing. Um, I think we were discussing how to charge for headshots and all the rest of it, and you know we we're discussing packages versus doing an like open-ended kind of sessions and stuff. And I, I, remember you know I changed my my model back then because I thought this sounds like a really good idea to me. You know, uh, having like an open-ended model where you essentially you know essentially charge a session fee. Um, and uh, you don't put a time limit on it. Mm-hmm. And that for me, was like that was almost like that was the ultimate problem solver because the thing that's always annoyed me in the past was having to work against the clock. I used to I used to hate that. I used to hate that thing. Mm-hmm. I like think, okay, well, he's paid for like a 30-minute session. And now we're already 31 minutes in and we haven't got anything that I like. So why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> no. And uh, And so keeping it open-ended um, has really changed the way first of all it has obviously that's changed the way I work uh, but it's also changed um the kind of output I'm able to create um it has also changed the clients that book my services yeah I
1: I think it's about incentives right in in every situation that you create, you are creating incentives for yourself and for your client um and your business model if you know if your if your business model is based on a half an hour session or a one hour session with three pictures <laughs> immediately we, it's that same thing again you you've made it into a commodity i'm selling you an hour of my time and three pictures so the 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 incentive naturally that comes from that is okay how can i do this you couldn't do it really faster cuz you're doing it one hour but how can i do this with less effort how can i do more of these in one day can i do this in two places simultaneously you know get a a, a, a junior uh, um photographer to to replicate your style in another studio or the room next door or whatever it is um Again, nothing wrong with it but you you've immediately moved away from being creative you've created a business model in which you, you've turned it into a commodity the open-ended session means that you are every session you do incentivized challenged almost obliged to do something new and different
0: <laughs> exactly so yeah absolutely agree
1: you, you you've built in your own creative satisfaction to your business model it's right. perfect um the only trade-off of course is that there's a little bit of unpredictability when you're selling three pictures with a one-hour session you know that at the end of the day you're going to be retouching three pictures and you will have done a one-hour session like right. it's it's fairly predictable um the, the open-ended you know maybe they buy one picture maybe they buy 25 pictures you don't know um but I mean I think that that little bit of uncertainty it is more than you know. That 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 that's a, a perfectly fine trade-off. And I would also say that you you can't really have creativity with predictability. Like the two things don't go together, yeah. right? It's
0: it's a funny thing because you know what I've noticed is, and this is really across the board since I since I changed the way I I uh, I run I run my sessions. What I've noticed is actually is that. Um clients tend to buy more images um because, because I can get through more looks mm-hmm. in in that time because because there is no time limit on it. You know, there's no hard stop. Um I can basically create as long as I have their attention, you know, and um and if we manage to, let's say, you know, if we manage to get through six different looks, let's say for argument's sake. Um, I can be pretty sure that they'll at least buy the hero shot mm-hmm. off of each look, and that yeah. immediately means that you know i'm actually maximizing that time and I know a lot of uh, a lot of fellow photographers um, you know would, would have conversations um especially in the beginning when i when I first changed to that sort of system, you know people are saying, well, but now you know now you might be spending four hours on something that you could have done in an hour. And so the answer is well, yes. But if I just look at what I'm able to sell in that yes. time, I'm actually coming out tops, you know, mm-hmm. in comparison. So it made absolute perfect sense to me. Because I originally thought, well, I experiment with it. You know, it's good to change things up once in a while and then just see right. see if it works. And I, I have to say. It absolutely worked for me. 100%. I mean, it's, it's,
1: it's good to hear. And, you know, you don't need to convince me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I think... Yeah, so somebody who who criticizes it, saying like you could do that in an hour, like yeah, you could, but then immediately you're back to not being creative. You're you're planning out what you're going to do in an hour, yeah,
0: exactly. And just
1: doing that, fine. And then you could yeah. do four of them in a day or six of them in yeah. a day, and it would be fine. But you would cease to be creative. Well, you cease to be yeah. That, if that's part of why you are a photographer you have to build it into your business model yeah. if it's not part of why you are a photographer then fine and you know i mean frankly like why do you need an hour like i can take six photographs in under a second you know sure like, absolutely what,
0: what's the criteria here you know yeah exactly so i mean you know what i what i found was yeah, on one hand you know it allowed me to um to obviously go through different setups and you know and create different looks but on the other hand and uh, this for me is really a big thing is it you're Just not having a time limit on the session has really allowed me to just relax people into it because I have the time to just sit down, discuss a number of things, have a chat, get to know the other person, you know, build that relationship. Um, yeah. And if uh, if a post, if an audio post processing hasn't taken out the. Uh, was that the dog? <laughs> the dog's having on the floor yeah, here, then, then I don't know. Anyway, uh, yeah, so it's what I found is actually it's it's really put me in a in a position where um, I can build that relationship with the client which then in return leads to a much more you know satisfied much happier client in the end and uh, that of course then brings with it word of mouth recommendations and all the rest of it so i <laughs> i found it on many different levels i found that extremely beneficial to what i uh-huh. do you know uh, rather than you know rather than continuing with the, this package model which is well the vast majority of people and did and as uh, you know I myself I yeah. amongst us in the beginning but yeah I mean that that comes from that thing of looking at what the market
1: offers and assuming that you have to do the same thing exactly I mean you don't you don't have to there, there are uh, there are other ways of doing things and if you look at yeah that that was the thing for me like I did it for a little while and like this there's something not right here um and yeah worked out that the incentive was to, to, to just start packing in as many clients as possible and yeah. getting faster at doing the same thing over and over again. And that sounded like well, that was just like the job that I just quit. That yeah, was, well, exactly. Exactly. I, I'm going to be bored in a couple of years' time, right? Yeah. So what's the point?
0: Yeah, that's. I found I found exactly the same thing. It was, you know, I wasn't enjoying it. You know, I wasn't enjoying having to having to shoot against the clock and. You know, and uh, I took a step back and I kind of thought, well, you know, I love shooting people. That's what I do. You know, I I photograph humans, you know. Okay. Not animals, not buildings, not landscapes. Okay. I really like photographing people and I should be enjoying this. And I, I thought, and you know, then I kind of thought, why am I not enjoying it? And so as I was mulling this over, you know, we, we spoke and I kind okay. of thought, well, Actually, that's it. I'm just not, I don't like being stressed, <laughs> you know, when I'm constantly working against the clock. So, so it's definitely, uh, definitely worth a treat, 100%. Excellent. So how, what do you see going forward? Um, obviously, we've come out of the pandemic. Um, things have things have picked up seemingly, you know, quite a lot. So where do you see yourself in five years' time? Oh, I I, I don't know. Um, well,
1: like in terms of the plan for the business, um, to continue, to continue doing what I'm doing, I think I'm probably going to put a bit more time into, uh, developing the, the kind of the coaching side of things that I do, um, make a bit more of, a, of an effort to promote that. As it is, I, you know, I, I do a fair bit of coaching. I, I do a weekly thing on the Headshot Crew, Peter Hurley's platform, right. um, and sort of ad hoc, people pop up on, you know, on social media and say, "Oh, you know, I'd love to learn how to do that," right. and they book a session with me. Um, but I think, yeah, I might start developing that into a bit more of a a service offering, a line, if you like, um, of its own. Um I don't I don't really have big plans to like you know move to a bigger studio or anything like that. I'm really quite happy here yeah. um probably sell a bit of kit because it's getting crowded <laughs> 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 they're gonna bring out some more stuff soon, aren't they so you know yeah. um, I have to get rid of some old stuff um yeah. but yeah I, I just you know to to keep taking pictures every day and making pictures that I find yeah. interesting every day. Um, okay. If I'm doing that five years from now, I will be very happy. They're talking about, yeah, did you go to the uh, photography show?
0: This I year? did not.
1: No, no. I, I I, find that those events... Um, yeah, I... No, I, I don't need any encouragement. Um, <laughs> ah, it is, it's, it's that, that the feeling of like you have to make a decision on the spot with them is not really... Yeah, that that's not um that's not how I buy things. Yeah. Um I I prefer to do a, a a fair bit of research when something's just kind of in the abstract. Yeah. And then if I can see actually that thing that that might be useful to use for that shoot. Yeah. Okay. And then I want to be able to buy it straight away and it has to be delivered the next day. Yeah. Like if, if you've if you've got waiting for it to be shipped from Germany, like forget it. No, it, no, no, yeah, it has, it's gotta be um uh, so I'm impatient at that point. But yeah, going to a, a show. I mean the you know the deals that they have on like ten percent off and all the rest of it. I'm like that ten percent off something that costs three grand is not a good reason to drop three grand. Like for sure. If it's worth two thousand seven hundred pounds of your money, it's worth yeah. three thousand pounds of your money. Yeah. If it's not worth two thousand seven you know what I mean like the ten sure. percent should not be the deciding factor. Um Sorry, sorry, all of you people that make a living from selling stuff at <laughs> photography. But yeah, you know, it's like, um, I I I don't really enjoy those environments. I, I keep up to date with what's going on and um, I buy things sort of when they feel like they're going to be useful to me for work that I'm doing.
0: Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, for me, it, it would be a lot more dangerous had I not got something to do at the show so you know I'm usually the producer podcast episode I if think. I was just there to mill around and look at all the shiny new things that would be extremely dangerous I think yes. you know because because you just you know at every corner you see something you go oh, wow I didn't know that did this or that sounds like a good uh, idea you know? and uh, it's it's easy to part with you know way more money than than you intended but, I,
1: I would also say I think I've got I've got more canvas tote bags than I will ever need in my life. With different company branding on them, so like I've, I've collected all the freebies, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's nice. It's nice to go and um like hang out with other photographers and and all of that kind of yeah. stuff. But um yeah, as a, as a place to sort of go and and buy new gear, uh yeah, it's the wrong environment for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, personally, I you know I think the primary reason for me is is really the the sort of social experience. I think. You know, meeting meeting up with lots of people and um, you know, and making connections because I think photography is very often is a very solitary kind of profession, and you know, we we a lot of us work on our own most of the yeah. time. You know, or in very small teams, and so it's it's a great opportunity to you know meet up, uh, you know, and and share with with other uh, like minded nerds most of the time. <laughs> yeah, <No. laughs> yeah. I mean that that sort of.
1: Um community aspect of things is always important I think yeah. um but you know I, I think that you could have that just as easily going to see a photography exhibition you know rather than a a, a trade show for uh, sure but you are
0: absolutely yeah. talking about an ex- exhibition um I know that uh one of your images is uh is currently on display as part of the uh, atlas of humanity exhibition yeah. um it just tells us a little bit about that
1: I uh, that so that was um I don't know if it if it, it was specifically in response to the pandemic, but it was um, during lockdown that um, one of the people that organized that project contacted me. They'd seen that image that I'd shot. They'd seen it on my Instagram page. There you go, see social media working. Yeah. Um, and they explained to me the, the the concept behind the project and asked if my picture could be included, to which I said, yeah, sure um so it's it's been going for a little while um it's in milan i think i think yeah it's no longer on show in milan um it's going to be in new york and paris in 2023 i don't have any yeah. more dates than that on it um but essentially um if you are going to be in new york or paris in 2023 check to see if your dates coincide because um, it's a really cool exhibition. There's, yeah. I think, 180 different photographers, 180 pictures um, of pretty much every ethnicity that exists on Earth. I'm sure there are some missing, but they're working on it. They're adding stuff to it. So, yeah. um, essentially, that's the aim of the project: is to document just yeah the 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 diversity of of humanity, the atlas of humanity. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it is, it's almost overwhelming when I walked in and, and saw the, the entirety of the exhibition, um, uh, last month, there's so much in there, but it's, yeah. I mean, you know, I love portrait photography and to see that many different photographers work of that many different types of, of subject was just, yeah. uh, yeah, really, really cool exhibition. Um, there's a book. I'm not sure if it's out yet or if it's coming out. Um, yeah. But if you go to atlasofhumanity.com, you will find all of the the information yeah. there. I think you can sign up as well to to get notifications or just um, they're on. Uh, obviously, they're on Instagram as well. Give yeah. them a follow on Instagram, and you will see when um, they've got the dates for New York
0: and Paris. And of course, we'll put all the links in the description. Um, of of the podcast if you're on apple Podcasts or spotify um and the description on youtube as well you can just click that link and that that'll take you there straight away that like your image was a really powerful image actually i thought um because it was uh it was it's from a campaign for uh, missing and murdered indigenous women um yeah and uh i remember coming i, I remember seeing the image before i saw that it was your image uh-huh. and realizing oh wow okay that's that's incredible um tell us a little bit about the background to that image um so the the woman who's in that image uh diana she
1: is uh she's an actor here in in london um the campaign the 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 the, um campaign for missing and murdered indigenous women and girls is something that uh she's involved in she's uh, um of colombian heritage and um i don't want to put words in her mouth but through that that's why she felt a, a personal connection to it. Yeah. as she has um uh something of a platform she likes to use that for supporting causes that that she believes in so she came to me with the idea that she wanted to create an image for uh for that campaign um i believe there was a they interviewed her as well um she, she did some some other publicity around it um and yeah, there was just that idea that this was a symbol that they had adopted—the uh, the hand over the mouth, yeah. uh, mostly done in a sort of drawn-on kind of cartoonish kind of kind of way um, from the images that I had seen. Um, and yeah. yeah, we just went with that as the concept. And I, you know, it is one of those things, right? That, that symbol, the expression that she gave all of those things are, are, are so powerful that you know I didn't need to do anything fancy with the photography yeah. like two lights in front of her completely evenly lit I think yeah. it was an 85mm lens stand in front of her same height, eye to eye yeah. to take the picture and let the uh, the subject and the uh, the statement be everything yeah. rather than needing to do anything fancy, do yeah. anything clever. Um, and yeah, it's, it certainly seems to have struck a chord. I mean, that that picture is also going to be in uh, um, a book that I think that's coming out this year as well um, called We March 4th, which is about the role of photography in activism, particularly um, as regards... Uh, um, women's rights uh and and equality activism sure. so um there's a a whole collection of different images that are um e- either you know like like the like my image there are like a a studio shop that's created for the purposes of of publicity raising awareness or images of people out you know um protesting demonstrating that kind of thing sure. um yeah that looks like that's going to be another um interesting photography project sadly that's just the book um i don't think there's any plans to make that in that one into an exhibition but um uh, if the book does well maybe they'll, they'll turn it into an, <laughs> an exhibition <laughs> yeah well, should it's we an to, to go and see things actually yeah. on the wall you know um and absolutely see other people enjoying it at the same
0: time i think it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having you on the show, um, of course, all of your links and everything, all your contact information is going to be in the in the description. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show for the third time. You know, in the I'm you're, sure. you're in, the, in the same league with uh, the likes of Dave Williams and uh, Tommy Reynolds.
1: Wow, I mean, it's
0: an exclusive <laughs> club.
1: Um, Absolutely, I'm, I'm pleased to be yeah. a
0: member. Thanks. Incidentally, you know what? I think um, I think I drove past your studio the other day by by pure coincidence. Okay, you should it, you should have knocked on the window. It was only it was only afterwards that I realized because uh, I was um oh. sorry, my dogs coming again. Uh, I was I was shooting a job in London and uh, I decided to go in into town on the Vespa for the for uh-huh. the first time ever. Um, and uh, and so having to avoid motorways and, and all that kind of stuff, it just took me through different parts of London. Yep. And uh, you yep. know, and then uh, I sat at the thinking, wait a minute, I know where I am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. that the, the road outside here is um it's quite a a key road of getting into central london yeah. um it's quite a fast road it's quite a nice one to do on a vespa i would imagine as well because it's got the bit. Where it goes down under the bridge yeah. and then come back yeah up.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah all very nice not yeah. too many traffic
1: Twenty I,
0: miles all. Uh, okay yes like like <laughs> all the other scooter riders <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. it was really i have to say it was uh it's really pleasant driving through central London because I, I was lucky it had a little bit of a sunny spell as well. And so driving right. through um, central London and, and experiencing it, and experiencing it from from that perspective was actually yeah. it was really nice. Yeah, I should do that often. It's, uh,
1: it really... the, it's uh, you you get that one day where it's like, oh, this is really nice, and that makes up for the other three hundred and sixty four where you're freezing cold and soaking
0: wet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was on the day of the tube strike. This last okay. uh, yeah last Thursday or something, I kind of thought, oh god, I can't bear mm-hmm. having to drive into London because it's just going to be pandemonium, you know. Um, so I thought, oh on I've got a chance, I'm just going to hop on the Vespa and uh, and head down there. it. it next cool. time,
1: next time you're around, uh, give me a shout. Yeah,
0: oh, I will do absolutely. Ivan, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and you for having me. That concludes episode 129 of the camera shake podcast Uh, again be reminded that uh, if you are listening to the audio version there is a fully pledged um, fully colored version over on YouTube Um, otherwise get in touch remember uh, get in touch with us on all the good platforms wherever uh, good awesome podcasts are found as you can contact us on Instagram Facebook even my dog knows he's always part of the show in the background (laughs) anyway so that's all for us today see you next Thursday (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.